and welcome to the 1L2N podcast. I am Amy. I have straightened my hair. I had a floor nap and I'm ready to go. We're also joined by other people today. Missy? Hi, I hate naps. Mike? That is the worst opinion you've ever had, Missy. Tommy? I have pancakes, so I'm ready to go. And our special guest, Liam? Yo. Also, hey, naps. We are a family of creatives going through the story writing process, and we're bringing you along for the ride and the shenanigans. So let's get into it. Uh, hello, everyone. As I said earlier, I did take a floor nap. It was great. It helps, like, re- realign your back and everything, and my back is... <sighs> So, you know, I figured it was just uh, it was a good what time happened? to do that. <laughs> Were you just like in a corner curled up? No, I was laying in the middle of the living room. Just, you know, wherever I can wherever I can get a floor nap. Where where can I where oh, it's clean over here? Okay. <laughs> this is a f- empty floor right space. All right, laying down. How many floor naps did you take when I was over? You took like I think two. I don't think I took any while you were over actually. I think I think you took at least one. Okay, well, maybe. how many floor naps do you usually take? Not too many, but I do like laying on the floor. It's nice. Like, you know how sometimes you're just like, man, I need to lay on the floor right now. And then you lay on the floor. I think I did I that like, like twice my whole childhood. Nah, floor's the best. Never been a the floor person. Floor is specifically you, the best right after a run. You're just like, you know what? Oh floor. yeah, definitely. Floor is my best friend. <laughs> definitely. I was gonna okay, say it's but my I would favorite part of a workout is the floor. Yeah, like laying on the floor. Floor naps before you do sit ups and push ups. Oh, and... okay. I see. What you're saying. I just like being on the floor. The floor is nice. Like sometimes you're like, ah, chair is too much. Ah, the couch is too much. Ah, the bed's too much. Floor. Ooh, that's floor? the sweet spot. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's Someone good get money. A king size floor for me, and I'm out. Let me pass up well. all of these other items. That have been manufactured specifically for your comfort being not on the floor. Only to just sit on the floor. Yeah, and it's great. You should really try it. Why have I decline again? (laughs) You're missing out. I'm telling you, sometimes the floor's calling and you gotta answer. You gotta answer the floor's call. But apparently your answer is just to fall asleep on it. (laughs) My tailbone cries louder than the floor calls. Uh, see, I'm, I'm always on the my stomach or my side. I can't lay on my stomach. Well, that seems like a personal problem, <laughs> Melissa. Wait, what kind of sleepers are you guys then? I literally, any. It just depending on how I'm feeling. Side, belly, back, head, any of it. I, I am like, exclusively a side sleeper. I'm mostly on my right side. I usually go to bed on my side and then I wake up starfished on my stomach. <laughs> yeah, I'll wake up uh, on my time. stomach. Every time oh, I'm um, like sleeping on my stomach, I wake up pretty quickly. I, I don't get good sleeps on the stomach. You just have to have a stomach of steel. No. Where you literally eat you, you eat ball bearings until you can lay on the floor. You know, that explains your tummy. a lot about you. Doesn't now that I think about it. Healthy. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> How's everyone's week going? Good. Mine has been awful, actually. Thanks for asking. Um, I've just been working so much. You know, the holiday season. <laughs> so we've had a lot of orders, and I'm I'm very tired. So that floor nap, much appreciated. Mm. Anybody else? I have not had work this entire damn freaking week, and it upsets me because I actually really like my job, but it's just how it be sometimes in the winter. But we'll say today I had a tour, and it was a really good tour. It was nice and chilly, and riding the bike was fun. Getting to get out into the city, it was all good. It was a good tour. I'm very glad I gave it out. It was not working. Oh God! I finished most of my semester stuff. We've just got finals now, Yay! so that's that's always Woo! good. Yeah. One Tommy more semester and I, to um, go. Spent the weekend. Well, I spent a lot more time resetting up my music production equipment, and I taped a bunch of tiles to the ceiling to help with reflection and then we spent like four hours over the past couple days trying to figure out a way to stream our digital audio workstations to each other which is way more complicated than it probably should be so if anybody's actually listening to this like you know steinberg or ableton or any of the the main companies you y'all should (laughs) absolutely incorporate some sort of streaming aspect if you can it's I, i was actually thinking of this 
I feel like what would be really nice, someone smarter than me building something awesome for me because I'm a lazy asshole, is basically the synopsis of what I'm going to say here is on on Twitch specifically. I really wish there was a plug in to have it so the viewer could turn down the like that streamers discord people so like for example if i wanted to stream to you guys for example but you were listening in you could also hear yourselves because i'm streaming part of discord so it's like you'd be like nope i'm gonna turn emi down in twitch and i'm going to turn missy down in twitch so it's like a simple little thing like that i may i feel like make a hell of a difference for people streaming to each other but that's just that's just me. I'm, yeah, it's like I'm the idea of like being it. able to turn down players in game. Yeah, exactly. Except you could do it as a viewer and you're like, this player is really loud and I can put them to my loudness and to my lightning liking. So, yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I wish there was a lot more uniformity with that across all the platforms and games in general because it, it seems to change from program to program which i understand every program's gonna have its own but there's some very broad inconsistencies with that so i've been watching the yogs cast annual jingle jam charity streams for the last 12 days now and wow it's so good who's the band the long johns that, that were in there the longest johns the longest johns they're i heard so them good. sing diggy diggy hole right that oh. was pretty fucking good so good <laughs> It was, they learned it, was it nice in like to... five minutes. Exactly. Yeah, it was so good. It was it was nice to see the the Yogs like <laughs> extremely, even though most of them aren't really great singers. If I'm honest, yeah, no, they're really not. It was nice to see them passionate about singing it as well. Like they were all yeah. super passionate while singing it. So, and then furthermore, what are they at? Like two point five million pounds raised. They, yeah, they are 2.5 million pounds and, I'm sorry, 2.95 million. They've got 50,000 pounds more to go to hit 3 million and they are 3.9 million US dollars, so. That is really cool. They've got two more days to get to 4 million US dollars and I think they can do it. And they, they've been, this is probably one of their better years because in the past years, it's definitely been a lot lower. Second highest year. Yeah. So, yeah. Second highest year without the, you know, it's not even halfway done. So. (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, they only do 14 days now. So. Oh, really? Yeah. They started that last year because of the uh, pandemic. It was difficult to get a lot of people in the office and safe. Is it like 14 days straight? Yeah. 14, the first 14 days. And then that's now it's, it's an not a twenty four. So it's not a twenty four hour stream. They do stream for like it's a twelve hour stream, and then they yeah. replay it yeah. overnight, and they keep the the donations and stuff going overnight because there's a very active overnight chat crowd on Twitch that will set their own goals and and drives and whatever to push the donations. I just think it's awesome that almost had four million dollars raised for charity <laughs> I know, yeah. and they're really pushing it like the the games everyone got this year for the humble mm-hmm. bundle i don't know it's just really cool yeah. to see well after it's still so long this they're year. still it's... that's true yeah it yeah. is still defy it's really cool to see that after so long the yogs still care about their charities and they'll yeah. do it every single year and work their ass off for it so yeah yeah it's a lot of money i think this is their 10th year Doing it? This is the 10th anniversary of charity streams. So it's their 11th year. The first. The first year it was outside of streaming. Yeah. First three years or so it was. um, They had like different names and and different focuses. And then after that, it was just Jingle Jam with a variety of, of charities. And the number of charities that they've selected has grown every year. So now it's like 14 different charities. Yeah, it's cool because I, I know that you can donate to the who whatever charity you specifically want or mm-hmm. you can just give a donation and it will kind of give equal amounts to everybody. It used to with Humble Bundle, but with Tiltify, you can only pick whichever charity you want to. You can't split it up. So if you want oh, to split okay. it, you have to 
donate to each individual charity. Oh, so, no, you have to donate more. You have to donate more times. And then what they do by doing it that way is they say, okay, we're going to cap every charity at this dollar amount. And so if that charity maxes out their dollar amount, then that's great. They're fully funded. Pick somebody else to donate to so that it's not like five charities getting all the money and all the other charities getting, you know, change. And I really like that too. They've already had at least five of the charities maxing out. That's awesome. And another five are, are, you know, within like $50,000 of maxing out. Mm. That's really cool. That is really I think it's cool because I know it started with like people wanting to send them gifts for the holidays Mm -hmm. and they said, hey, instead of sending us gifts, donate to this specific charity. Mm -hmm. And I love that it turned into just like a, hey, we really don't want your gifts. Just donate to charity. That'd be better to like this massive charity streaming event that they have every single year. And I just think that that's really cool and an awesome way to give back. Exactly. Especially during the holidays. And it's so much fun. And there's so many crazy little traditions that have come out of it that people look forward to every single year you get your checklist of like oh i hope do they do this i hope that they do that and just such unique creative things they come up with that you only get during the jingle jam yeah no that's it's awesome yeah so that's been my week (laughs) it's just a smart way to i feel like any content creator i've ever watched they're always getting an influx of gifts. So it's a great way to be like, I guess I can't think of the word, but essentially just like stop giving us gifts, do this instead. Like it's a great way to, it's a win-win for both sides. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know one of the things that we want to do eventually is charity acts because of kind of the same thing. It's it's something that we've all been passionate about and we want to put something back out into the world when we are at a place to do that. And I think that's it's a great way to get other people involved. Yeah, because they're not just doing it for the sake of them trying to earn money. It's, hey, we're actually doing this for a good cause. And here's an awesome way for you to participate and have fun while yeah. you're giving to charity. Exactly. And there's so many different ways you can do it as well. Like, you know, the Yogscast does their games collection. You donate an X minimum amount and you get all these games and discount codes. But they also put out various holiday themed products every year that you donate or you purchase and then 100% of the proceeds of that also goes towards charity. And this year, Displate donated $50,000. Wow. Yeah, they've been like the biggest sponsor. So they sponsored the poker stream. Basically, the top placers in the poker tournament got to designate their whatever money they would have won and i say that in quotes whatever money they got they designate which of the the charities to donate that money to very cool well guys listening in you know in 10 years come back and we'll have a full-blown charity stream for you too that's what we're saying right that's what we're trying to announce that in 10 years i think that before 10 years (laughs) we'll have that even if we're not popular (laughs) you know if we can get somebody to donate 100 bucks to charity that that would be awesome yeah, no, 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 no. Oh, yeah. of course. I just meant like we'll have like a super top notch one in 10 like years. Like a, um, a million dollar one is what she's saying. Million dollars. That's, that's pretty low standards, Tom. I think you should. Uh... Yeah. At least shoot for a million point two. Gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I was talking about a million hundred dollar bills. Come on, guys. <laughs> I think that's a little Oh, sorry. My bad. How to... I'm... <laughs> I'm thinking maybe. Maybe like four million two hundred thousand six hundred ninety dollars. That's what I'm oh, thinking. Oh, that's a good number. Yeah, that's yeah. a really good number. I don't know. It just has a nice it's ring to it. Nice round ring. It just there's something beautiful about that number. Round. Yeah. Round. Ring. I love round numbers. I love round numbers. It's rotund. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, that would be my. A huge goal of mine would be to be able to do some kind of charity drive to take talents and creativity and use it to give back to the community. Oh, yeah. It's like, here's all you have to do is, you know, watch this content is free, but we're doing it for a good cause. And as long as you're doing it passionately, I feel mm-hmm. like, I don't know, it's just all the better. All the All the Jingle Jam streams are a lot of fun because of that, because they're all very passionate of what they're doing and passionate for the charities they're giving it to Mm -hmm. and Mm, i feel like it's a positive feedback loop 
So again, it's just really nice to see them continually <laughs> yeah. donating cherry charity. There we go. Yeah, sure. How many? How well, much money have they made so far? Like like throughout every year, isn't it like twenty million or something? Over twenty million dollars. <laughs> that's awesome. I think it's cool because, like we you were saying, Tommy, it's not just they're doing it for the sake of doing it. They're doing it because they genuinely want to and they mm -hmm. genuinely enjoy giving to charity. I think there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, it's a charity stream, like donate, woo. But these people are like, donate, you're donating charity. This is an awesome cause. Like they're actually really passionate about it. And I think that's such a huge key part because they're not just having fun for the sake of having fun. And oh yeah, there's charity. It's like, hey, we're having fun because we're helping these charities out. And I, I don't know, I, I like that, I like that. Yeah. Well, it's passion a, it's a big part to really get anyone involved in anything you're doing if you are legitimately passionate it is contagious yeah and that i'm genuinely shows. passionate about drugs and i really just want to make sure that they're contagious <laughs> oh, uh, oh. <laughs> wait a minute this went awful <laughs> in a weird direction i don't know how i feel you guys ever smell in your dreams <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the better transitions you've done, Mike. I've been thinking about this for a while because I had a dream about two months ago at this point, mm -hmm. and I, in my dream, I smelled terrible, and I actually smelled myself. It was a very distinct smell, and I woke up because of it, and it was not in the room at all. Like that smell wasn't there, so it mm. was. The actual smell was a physical thing in my dream, which I'd never had happen before. You know, you hear sounds and visuals. Sometimes you have feelings and dreams like physical uh, touch. But for the most part, I've never had a smell that I could imagine. My senses are like so heightened in my dreams. Like how so? Including smell? <laughs> Including smell. I smell all kinds of things. Hmm. Sometimes I wake up nauseous from it, but... I see colors in my dreams that don't seem to exist in the real world, or at least not that version. I hear depths and peaks. I feel very intensely. I it's, guess. Yeah. The only, like, I, I get the falling feeling all the time while sleeping. Like, it, you start falling and then you're immediately jolted awake. Mm -hmm. At least that's uh, that's happened to me multiple times. I don't think I've ever smelt in my dream. And if <laughs> I have, it's probably a direct cause of <laughs> there being bacon. or You're I smelling in real life or... and it's penetrating your dreams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. Well, that's the thing. I woke up and I smelled myself and I smelled all around to make sure that I didn't stink because it smelled like garbage <laughs> in my dream. And like I woke up thinking like, oh, my God, I, I smell like garbage. But then I, I did a big old, you know, and, and took a huge breather in and no, nothing. <laughs> I, I love to picture you with like a Grinch face and just like sniffing around your entire bed. You're just like, <laughs> like a dog. <laughs> like, where is it coming from? <laughs> yeah. Did you have your windows open? No, no. Maybe uh, Mo farted on you or something. No, no, no. It wasn't Mo. Although I was, would know if it was Mo, she's pretty terrible like that. So I will say I have some, I, I love dreaming because I have some very vivid dreams. Mm -hmm. I've never smelled in my dreams. The only time was like I was having a really bad dream and I couldn't figure out why and I everything felt like it was on fire and I woke up and I realized I had a wood candle still burning mm. and my whole like bedroom smelled like wood like woods and fire but not in like a, everything was on fire it just i fell asleep with the candle still on and it was a very strong scent i was like oh okay i gotta put this out so it's definitely my conscience like waking me up like hey you idiot go put this damn candle out but other than that no i i've never smelled in my dreams but i do have very intense like like stories it's it's mm -hmm. yes there are moments where you're like what is happening right now like this is definitely a typical dream where you're like on a boat riding a chicken and the next thing you know you're in italy you know having ice cream with the abraham lincoln or whatever you know you you do have those or i i do have those like weird dreams but in general mine are like full full like 
movie stories. Like I usually have like a, a very long story and a lot of my story ideas actually come from my dreams. And I can usually recall most of my dreams as well. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. So I actually, you know, I, I really enjoy my, my dream life. I've got a good dream life. I always find <laughs> telling people about my dreams a very difficult task because of how unique it is to the actual user. And, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll tell my wife that a bunch and she will be like, man, you have crazy dreams. And I'll just try and give the most basic details possible because the more you start trying to explain a dream, the less people are interested in hearing yeah. about it, I feel. That's true. Hmm. Which is, it's always interesting to me when I'm watching like media or, you know, like watching any kind of TV show or movie and a dream sequence happens because it's such a difficult thing to do to make it feel like it's that weird state of mind. Things are happening. You can't explain it. And most of the time I don't really enjoy dream sequences in movies or TV because it's just so odd and it doesn't contribute Mm -hmm. a bunch to the actual story. Most of the time. I feel like the only way dream sequences really contribute to the story or at least that I have seen is when it's like, Oh, this was my, this is my deepest fear. And it's kind of like a foreshadowing element. But that's really mm-hmm. it. And I feel like, in my opinion, it's kind of like a lazy way to take it is to use a dream sequence to foreshadow something instead of using actual elements within your world. But I don't know. That's how I feel. There, I mean, there are certain times where dream sequences are used. And I hate to say this. It's just because I've been watching it. But in Critical Role, they're... <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I know. I know. They use the dream sequences as moments to progress the story further, to have their deities or whoever's after them or whoever's trying to commune with them on like a higher sort of God power communicate with them. And I actually really enjoy that aspect of the whole sort of dream sequence because it gives purpose to dreaming and it gives like a more in-depth and okay, you guys had a good night's sleep and you woke up in the morning next um, it kind of gives like another way to add to the story. So I think they, they do it really well. But in general, yeah, a lot of dream sequences are just used for like, oh, I'm afraid that the bad guy's coming after us. I had this terrible dream about how this bad guy's coming after us. And they're like, yeah, well, we're running from the bad guy. So that makes sense. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's either like, redundant of information or it's giving away information about what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I like dream sequences when... They're helping to explain a character's mindset instead of the plot. Mm. Or where it's like um, like a vision of what's going to happen or a vision of something to come or somebody to come. I don't really like have those. to like, look out for. Because it's just like, oh, well, now we know what to expect. Yeah, I feel you like that's told us. bad foreshadowing in a story. It's going oh this person's dreaming and you know what to expect where you know good foreshadowing would be a little bit more hidden at least in my opinion i I like the fact when you have things not necessarily clearly laid out in your foreshadowing Mm. but i feel like when dreams do that it's just cheating yeah it's like the writer doesn't know how to drop hints and so they just throw a dream in there that says here's Here's what's going to happen. Well, I think there's I also think if- a distinguishable. It's it's between like dreams and visions. I feel like what Emu is talking about specifically, those really aren't like dreams. Those are more like visions that you're having and you just happen to be sleeping because those are like real things that are happening to you. But in uh, like dreams, I feel like it's uncontrolled controllable or there isn't like a sense of it isn't real and it's not going to affect you other than like maybe emotionally but i don't know so i i feel like yeah i just feel like visions and dreams are very different well yeah i would agree i guess what i'm talking about is like when a character has a vision through a dream sequence in the sense of like they go to sleep and by whatever power it is are given a vision as like a forewarning and they wake up and they're like, oh, crap. Like, I like that rather than like them, you know, walking along and like, oh, OK, now I'm back and I had this vision. And, you know, like I I think you it, prefer a vision it's a little to smoother a dream. Yeah, because I think it's one. yeah, I think it, okay. it just makes a little more sense rather than them just walking along, getting a vision out of nowhere. Like it may it makes the vision placement a little more realistic, in my opinion. Okay, So that I guess that's what I mean, like. I enjoy that. 
aspect of things or and i i know this is cheesy but in tv shows where as long as they do it right (laughs) when the story is progressing in a way that you're like wait what is happening what's going on oh my gosh like everything's weird and this person just stabbed this person oh my gosh and this person like wakes up and is like oh what just happened and realize like everything's normal Mm. um i think those are kind of fun i don't think that they're necessarily you know necessary but it is a fun moment of like but what if like a single episode yeah yeah plot for that episode yeah or you know a whole tv show sometimes they do that too where it's like and then they woke up (laughs) that's very true dreams that i tend to enjoy or at least prefer usually deal with like approaching somebody's fear and maybe whatever's manifesting as fear in their dream has nothing to do with what they're actually going to have to face out in the real world. But it's about them learning to identify their fears in their dreams and, and cope with them in real life. But I also like it when dreams are used to or in place of flashbacks. Then it gives you pieces over time about a person's history and kind of what's brought them to the point they're at now and why they are dealing with whatever the situation is because of what's already happened to them. So instead of like foreshadowing, it's like looking at the past. I do like that aspect of it. And I understand, I mean, maybe, I guess a lot of times, especially TV shows, when they're writing things, they write it, they have their overall vision for the season, but they don't necessarily have their overall vision for the the whole story past Mm -hmm. that season. So it is kind of annoying where it's like they have a flashback in a vision to further the plot point along where it's like how has this never come up before you're like oh because it's clearly trying to like yeah it's like oh they're now explaining this thing no i tend to like that style in movies as opposed to tv shows because in tv shows it feels like okay this is coming out of nowhere like what you said but in a movie where the character is having these flashbacks and that's how they slowly reveal the person's history through the dreams and stuff through just your standard flashbacks I feel like that's an interesting way to handle the past. Well, and I and I guess for writing stories, and, and this is a question for everybody, how would you go about writing a story like that where, or a, a story in general? Are, would you try to write it book to book or would you try to think out every little plot point beforehand so that you can get that foreshadowing in? Or would you just try to use stuff that happened in like book one And be like, oh, this happened. We can pretend like that was foreshadowing for this thing that we can now do. I think it's a combination because I think really good writers, there's very few writers that plan out a seven or eight book series or something crazy from start to finish because it's too difficult to do. A lot of writers will just have that creative space where they're kind of growing a garden. And as they're growing the garden, They're seeing what actually grows and what is fruitful, and then they're taking those ideas and then replanting them later on. Or they'll go back and read their book and say, you know what, we can incorporate this tiny little thing. I think using details that you put in a story previously and then expanding upon it is a really great way to do that. But, you know, I think if you try planning everything out in advance, at least just for me personally, it becomes way, way too difficult to just even start writing. And sometimes you need to just create a story and then go back and plan a lot of it. All right. So uh, I'll I'll give you an example of a TV show, Breaking Bad, which some people have seen, some people have not. I haven't seen that yet. There is uh, the last season, the very first scene they wrote, and it is a huge foreshadowing of what is going to happen at the last episode of the season. As they were writing it, they had no idea how they were going to get to that point. They just created it ahead of time. And then they had to spend an incredible amount of time getting to that point. And the creator, uh, Vincent Gillian, actually was kind of upset by that. He was like, I should have never done that because they spent so much time trying to figure out how to get to this specific point in the story as opposed to just writing the story episode by episode where you could see the characters sort of change. Now, I think they did a really good job getting to that point. But as a writer, maybe you don't want to put all of your energy and effort into figuring out how to get to a point. Maybe you just want to figure out what's the best course of action from the very next thing. Mm. That's a good idea. Well, because I also it probably would 
hinder you creatively as well, trying to to figure out how to add in all these foreshadowings. I mean, of course, you can pepper in a few here and there, but it's the idea of kind of tying everything together in the end. Whereas if you're like so focused on like, I have to foreshadow everything, that can hinder your your story, kind of like you're saying, Mike, where it's like you're fo- you're not really focusing on the story anymore. You're just focused on that foreshadowing aspect. Yeah. If, if oh, I'm yeah. not mistaken, I'll we'll say one thing real quick. J.K. Rowling, when she wrote Harry Potter, she did not know how it was going to end when she started. She just wrote a book. And then all of a sudden, there's going to be a giant series. There's seven books. By the time she got to the last book, yeah, she had a general idea of what was going on, but the key items that were happening in the the last story, she wrote for that story. She didn't write ahead of time. I mean, I did not see Voldemort and Harry Potter falling in love. Like, I, it, that was exactly. out of left field. It's crazy. Yeah. But, you know, she wrote it as she, she wanted to. Yeah. J.K. Rowling for you. <laughs> I'm sorry. What were you going to say, Tommy? I don't know. I think I was, was going to mention, like, it depends on your creative stamina, I guess, and who you are and what you're writing specifically. I I believe it's it's pretty good to like maybe drop. I, I don't know why I'm a fan of this, but I really like sometimes like useless details or useless facts where it doesn't necessarily like strengthen the current character that you're reading about or the current plot point but it just helps with the world building and then you can later on maybe call back to that that specific detail because it was already mentioned so it's something like you're leaving these little nuggets behind that you may or may not use and then if you get on onto it later on you're like oh i mentioned this oh why not use it yeah i think the key to doing that is to make sure that the all the nuggets that you do put in uh to the story work for whatever part of the story you're trying to tell you know, if you're giving a slight backstory to the character, make sure that it's important to know about that. But if you're never going to have a payoff for it, that's also OK, as long as it fits the storytelling motive in that moment. I wouldn't say put in a whole bunch of extra details for no apparent reason, because you might get more bogged down into adding details than you will doing setups and payoffs and that sort of thing. I think Big key for me is, like Tommy, I like the little details that you can or cannot use later on, but be consistent to the details you've already revealed. Don't turn around and just violate whatever canon you've already established just for the sake of pushing a new idea you have. I I really think that... Oh, I had this magic ring in my pocket the whole time that can actually kill the main villain. Who knew? I've had it since the first book. I just never mentioned it until now. Well, that's like a plot device, which is different, but it's (laughs) more like... It'd be almost the opposite. It'd be like if you, from the beginning, were talking about this super powerful ring that could kill the person, and in the end, you never use it. That's a detail that was unnecessary, and it actually betrayed what you were talking about you should have your details be consistent with the story yes i agree with that but in both of those cases neither one of those break canon they haven't violated anything to keep the story Hmm. fair point okay (laughs) so for the sake of uh like star wars for example there it is we got it i was like limit i don't want to but you know they in order to drive the prequels, things that they kind of already established, they then went and altered. I was like, well, wait a minute. You already said this, but now you're saying this. So it's that kind of stuff where you're like, that's not right. You you didn't get that right. You, well, you've changed things like that. That's more along the line when talking about because it kind of breaks you out of your immersion when a yeah. detail has been altered. And that's also a, a good example of using a detail you know in in episode four when obi-wan says you know i fought with your father in the clone wars that was just a line (laughs) that wasn't like lucas planning out this massive story ahead where there was clone wars and stuff and you know it was a small detail that they expanded upon and yeah no that's fine my thing is as an author you don't know where you're gonna take a story and that's totally fine Mm -hmm. but don't betray what you've already written to write something new yeah. Like, and, commit to it. Own up that, okay, I wrote that and I wish I hadn't, but there it is. Yes. Work you around should, it with something else. 
Like there are creative ways to get around things. You know, a character could say they they're an only child. They have no siblings and, you know, whatever. And then you go on to find out that there was another child, but they were adopted (laughs) or there was another child, but the child died and their parents never told them about it or, you know, things like that. There are other ways to get around, you know, the whole separation at birth thing, right? There are ways to get around something you've already established, but you have to actually identify that get out of jail free card. You can't just say, oh, hey, my brother's coming into town because like the audience is going, wait, you are an only child. Why are you saying your brother's coming to town? Looking at you, Buffy. Buffy did that where it was like five or six seasons in and they were like, here's my sister. And you're like, you have a sister? And you're like, yeah, I've had a sister the whole time. And you're like, what? (laughs) What do you mean you've had a sister the whole time? (laughs) What the hell? What are you talking about? Or some shows that introduce family members and they just disappear and you never hear about them again. And they're like supposedly close siblings (laughs) or close family members. I think it was Family Matters. Do you guys remember that show? Yeah, I've heard of it. Oh, (laughs) Family Matters. Family members that were a major part. They, They lived in the house with them and they just stopped being on the show without any explanation whatsoever and like over the years character after character after character just kind of disappeared it's like um your house might be haunted guys stefan actually ate all of them (laughs) yeah exactly i'm gonna say i next time if i'm going to write something that's big i think what i really want to do is any characters or worlds that i'm building i want to like put under i want to be like this is character A, and here is the rules that I've established for this character, and then write those rules down. So if I'm further developing those characters, I can go back and literally look at the rules that I've wrote for these characters and be like, okay, does this betray those rules? Or if it does, does it help develop the character even further? And I feel like it'd be perfect if Missy did something like that, just in an Excel sheet. Yeah. Well, a, actually, yeah. I mean, I, I'd be happy to. I use Excel sheets for all my stories. Oh, so, I <laughs> I, one thing that we can talk about is the whole reason why we formed One L Two N originally was because I had this story idea to tell about a high seas adventure with pirates and you know warring factions and and various things. And it's called the Silver Seas, and we'll be working on it eventually. But the the idea was that I had this big story that I wanted to tell, and I wanted to put music to it. And very recently, I thought about it quite a bit. And that big story that I wanted to tell, one of the biggest problems that I was having with it was that I couldn't find a reason to get characters from plot point A to plot point B and location A and location B that wouldn't betray the characters or wouldn't betray the world. And, you know, perhaps it's just the fact that I need more practice writing, which always helps. But I decided instead that I want to take the basic characters that I created and open it up for everybody here to writer's room. And why I want to sit down and establish rules for the world. And I want all of us to figure it all out together. And so that's one of the processes that we're going to be doing is creating this world together. And yes, I've made some of the characters, but I want to make it everybody else's. So in that specific instance, what we're doing is figuring out the rules and then we're going to write the characters and we're going to come up with a plot that makes sense for the individual characters. Because for me, that's more interesting but that is only one way to write a story you could also be the person that goes in and gets all of the plot points gets you know every action gets your your whole character arcs all set out in ahead of time and then write a story off of that that's not an invalid way of doing it it's just different so i think if you're writing, you should experience one of those two things primarily. You should either figure out what your plot points and your character arcs are going to be, or you should write based upon what's natural for your characters and grow from there. If you're trying to do both at the same time, it's going to be a lot more difficult. I think it, I think it'll also overwhelm you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what, specifically, that's what I was doing with the silver sea stuff is I was trying to do all the character arcs and the plot points while also trying to explore characters. 
So yes, it does overwhelm you. And I'm sorry if I interrupted there. Now nah, my brain went dead. Is I'm <laughs> glad you took that over. But you need something to drive your story. But not everything can have the driver's seat. It doesn't work. You know, it's a great story driver. Love interests. That's the best story driver. I'm just saying. It's a really good one. You guys should try it out sometime. Where's that kick button you guys like to use? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> right click uh, on the name and then go no. down. No, to- <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Don't kick me. Don't do it. <laughs> I'll spare him. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and there could be something like that with love as being a, a driver for a story. Yeah. And that would be a plot-driven story instead of a character-driven story. Because well, you want characters maybe. to fall in love, so you're building characters around the idea of having a romance. Yeah, I guess it's depending upon how you build the characters. Because you could build characters and then be like, wow, would it be crazy if these two fell in love? Oh my goodness. And then it would be a plot driver, but it would not be a plot driver that you planned. It would kind of just be, well, mm-hmm. does this make sense for these characters? Falls into that. Yeah. Well, but in that case, going back to what you said earlier, that is building a plot around characters because the world that don't you use my words against me (laughs) (laughs) i might have to write a romance book now (laughs) and then they made out with wet (laughs) lips smacking together like two octopi (laughs) oh okay but here's here's the thing is that when you write a romance book it doesn't have to be like graphic what? Well, what's the fun in that? I know. Okay, I mean, obviously. But you can still have a story based upon two people falling in love where there's no graphic bits at all. <gasps> Shocking. Or you could just not write a romantic book. First of all, how dare you? Look, there are lots of different kinds of romances. My favorite kind would be Hamlet, for example. Melissa? That's a, that's a very weird romance. That's a very weird hey, romance. It's not an enjoyable romance unless everybody dies by the end. So, <laughs> wow. Oh, so you're a big Romeo and Juliet fan, I see. <laughs> big, oh, big yeah. Romeo and Juliet fan. Well, there was a uh, Romeo and Juliet is based upon a story that was a Roman myth. And I can't remember what it is, but something to do mm-hmm. with like an apple tree and two couples go there and, you know, it's it's Romeo and Juliet. And when you read it, you go, oh, Shakespeare, you hack, you really talented I mean, hack. All of his major stories were either readapting stories he'd already heard that someone else already wrote, you know, Disney style or turning history into a story. But isn't that every story? Technically, yeah. we're yeah. all telling the fine. same stories, just with different names for the characters. If there's mm-hmm. a story that's like a tale as old as time that's been around for forever and you're like, I like that. I'm going to make it better. I have no problem with that. Give a new updated version to it. It's great. I mean, I watch re-releases of things and relaunches and reboots and re-everything. It's great. Redo that story for me. I'm there for it. Do you think that there will ever get a point in time where stories have been so rewritten and retold that it's that there's 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 nothing left to say? Yeah. Well, actually, interestingly enough, I feel like it's going to get to the point where people don't realize it's a remake and then they just watch it. So, for example, I saw mom and dad watching the live action version of Cowboy Bebop today and they had no idea that it was an anime. And I think dad was really enjoying it. And I was like, oh, yeah, it sucks that it's canceled for a season. He's like, oh, what? Like. He had no idea it was an anime, and he was excited about the live-action version. (laughs) And I think it gets to the point where, over the course of enough time, you're just going to be consuming content, not realizing Mm -hmm. that it's a remake or remaster, or actually just like another story with different characters. It's a new version for the next generation. Yeah. I feel like it kind of has already gotten to that point, Mm -hmm. but it's... uh, you just we just haven't realized it, I guess. I mean, look at how many updated translations of the Bible there have been, and that sucker's been going on for thousands of years. So. <laughs> I think. All right. Imagine you are in a world where you have the time to consume all of the media, which right now we just don't. I mean, there's nobody alive that can consume all of the media, and some people try. Once you get to that point. I think then you would find the saturation 
uh, aspect to be mm-hmm. overwhelming. But just like Tommy said, the fact that some people don't know things were reboots or remakes is the reason why those stories are so successful uh, in the long run. And then there's also, you know, stuff like my generation, which you just make a TV show based upon a toy you had when you're a kid and people who are in their 35s and 40s are drooling over it going, oh my God, I can't wait, more Transformers! And they don't realize that like Transformers was never that good to begin with, but we're looking at it through those rose-colored eyes. Mm-hmm. So, or lenses technically, I guess. Rose-colored no, 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 your eyes is... Eyes. Like your that. eyes is? Your yeah. eyes are rose-colored no colored eyes. Is. I kind of like that rose-colored eyes. That was nice. Second, a sec. Crap, I lost my train of thought. Choo 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 choo. <laughs> okay, so, there she goes. <laughs> Quick, I got it. Stop, Darla. <laughs> okay, it's a train Stop. heist. Everyone, be quiet. <laughs> I'm gonna have a train wreck if y'all don't be quiet. None aboard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised Liam isn't speaking up right now. He has a phrase he likes to say in moments like this. I know the phrase. I ain't gonna say it. <laughs> shut, up, shut up! Shut yeah, up! That's not it. That's two no, trains. That's the wall one. No, not the wall one. The train one. What? Oh no, I, I apologize. I got that wrong too. It's not a train, it's a bus. Oh boy. Oh, wait, Anyways, Missy, what was your thought? Okay. <laughs> Something that helps with the idea of remaking stories is the progression of the world around us in real life. As technologies advance and society uh, progresses, it gives new life to stories. So, like sci fi, for example, as space programs develop you're going to be able to keep pushing the imagination further and pushing the more really realistic aspects of sci-fi even further same thing with like medical advances you, right. you can push those further new aspects of demographics and society that maybe you know 50 years ago you wouldn't have thought would exist well now they exist and now suddenly that's a new topic that stories can have so as society constantly changes i don't think that's ever going to stop and as technology advances i don't think that's ever going to stop you can keep refreshing these stories but for a modern time and setting it's actually interesting you say that i'm the reading dune knowing when it was created it feels like if this was created in a this it feels like if frank herbert lived right now there a lot of the details that he is describing would be completely changed about space travel mm-hmm. and uh it's actually really interesting looking at it like reading it knowing when he was writing it and i feel like i'm enjoying it that much more because of that reason like the watching the movie versus reading the book is like two completely completely different lenses because you can see like the inspirations taken from the book but you also see it's very modernized in the way that they're displaying it versus how you're reading it in the book so yeah that's a good point why i do like when stories are rebooted because or you know movies are remade uh, because it is nice to get that sort of modernized version because like missy was saying with technology advancing it's not just the ideas that the new ideas that are coming across, but it's how we actually tell these stories. We have the we have tech, new technology to tell these stories. Mm-hmm. And so it makes it even better. So you take something like an old classic like Dune and you're able to put it on a big screen in a modernized, way better technology driven way that you're like, holy crap, this is like so much better. And I think that you know, for me, I love I love a good retelling. I like when all of the fairy tales are retold, whether they're told in a dark way or a, a funny way or a musical way or whatever. I, I love that. So if there's ever like a retelling of a fairy tale, I'm like, yes, I'm on it. Let's do this. I want to watch it. So for me, even if a story is kind of retold, I, I still really enjoy it. The only time I didn't really re-enjoy it was when watching Avatar. I know people love the movie, but for me, it was the idea of this is a brand new revolutionary story that no one's ever heard before. And you're like, no, 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 this story is not new. It's the technology to make this story that's new. But people are like, no, it's it's incredible. It's n- like nothing we've ever seen. I was like, actually, it's like three different movies that we've seen already. But, you know, I, I get it. Blue Aliens in Space. That makes sense. It's fine. 
I think most people were confusing the way that they consumed the story versus what the story was. Mm-hmm. And I did hear the, the critique a bunch that it was, you know, Pocahontas retold, but I never saw Avatar and I never saw it in 3D, obviously, if I've never seen it. But everybody that I heard that saw that movie were going, this is such a great experience. But I think they were confusing the experience with the story. And I could be wrong. I don't know. I haven't seen it. Don't have a room to talk. Continue. Well, I, I just I just think that from a technology standpoint, it's cool to be able to, it, a lot of people also equated it to dancing with wolves. It's it's awesome. Like if that's how it was kind of like, mar- not marketed, but a brand new way to retell these stories. Awesome. I'm here for it. But when you're like, this is a brand new story, you're like, no, no, yeah. not really. <laughs> not really at all. But in general, I like you. a retelling. Sorry, what'd you say? That's just marketing for you. <laughs> I agree with you, Amy. I really enjoy retelling of stories. Like, and not just like, we're going to make the exact same story, but with modern tech or vocabulary. I love it when they take and put their own twists into it. Mm, yeah. Like, for as terrible as the show really was, I loved Once Upon a Time because it was a million different twists on these classic fairy tales that you grew up with. So, you got a good point there, actually. I think that's why. In- that's mostly why I enjoyed Once Upon a Time. Yeah. Was for all those twists. It was nice to see how they developed characters we've known to be a certain way all this time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is different. This is fun. It's new. I mean, it wasn't always good, but it was fun. Yeah. It was exciting there... to see something unique with it. Yeah. Instead of the 17th release of version of a Cinderella, you know. Well, speaking of Cinderella, uh, there is actually a book series called The Lunar Chronicles that is a retelling of a lot of fairy tales mm-hmm. where Cinder is the main character and she is part robot and it's she is Cinderella and it's in a like futuristic sci-fi steampunk sort of version and it also has like the little red riding hood and rapunzel in it and it's got all of these like really cool characters in it and i actually really loved the series because again it was like fairy tales retold but in a modern sci-fi version that i just found really fascinating and so even though you know you know kind of the storyline you kind of know what's going to happen the way she told it was like wow this is so cool and interesting um, and she made you really engage and made you really want to see what was going to happen next, even though you you kind of already knew the stories because uh, you wanted to see her version and her take on, on what was happening. Very cool. Yeah. And then the, the evil queen was like a space alien that lived on the moon. It was interesting. <laughs> it's the whole thing. But <laughs> that's another fun thing to do with modernizing and twisting up a story is just the fun you can have with names like in this case, Cinder. And once upon yeah. a time, Cinderella's name was Ashley, which I thought was great. Yes. You know, things like that. Whenever you hear someone's name, it's always like, okay, I wonder what character they're going to be. Or how can you how can you twist it to that? I, I saw some version of Disney stories and Cinderella's name was just Cindy, which was uninspired, but it still worked. I think Ella is usually the mm-hmm. one that the, a lot of people use as well. Yeah. Uh, there's a book I read. I can't remember what it is, but it was a Cinderella story, but it was after she had married the prince. Mm. And it was like, what happens afterwards? And she's like, well, cool. Like, I have all these things that I want to do. And they're like, no, no, no. Like, you're going to be the queen. So you don't have any, and you don't have any say because you're just the queen. Um, you're not the king. So you have to learn all these things and you're basically restricted to the castle. And it was like her new form of, enslavement on yeah imprisonment and it was a really only sole existence is to show up in arm at events and to produce an heir to the throne yeah and and no yeah exactly and so it was interesting to go like when happily ever after isn't actually happily ever after and i really liked that aspect because you're you're telling the cinderella story but from the continuation of it from from your standpoint and i i really enjoyed that story as well and and she winds up kind of fleeing from the castle and well she gets put in prison and then she flees from prison and anyway it's a whole thing but i like stuff like that as well where it's not just a retelling but it's like your imagine like the author's imagination of like okay what what would happen next realistically or fantasy wise what would happen next i I like that too (laughs) which is also why 
I like fan fiction because it's just like, what if? It's a great retelling of stories that you love. That's all I'm saying. Fan fiction's great. <laughs> Put that out there. <laughs> Is it a great retelling though? Sometimes, yeah. Okay. Most of the sometimes time. it's just a retelling. Well, I wouldn't say most of the time. There's a lot of you get. You have to sort through the shards of glass it's, and find the diamonds, and then it's, it's fine. It's like going to the dump. Okay. Uh, you just sift through piles, and sometimes you find a microwave that works. <laughs> exactly. Like, and then it's the best microwave home. of your life, and you take it home, and you clean it up, and you realize like it's a microwave 3000, and it will actually create whole meals out of a little pill. Um, and then, like, and, then, think, and it's great. I think your Sunday stand is a little too high. <laughs> Have you read fan fiction before? You don't know. I've attempted and wanted to die. <laughs> Was it the Jesus and Hitler crossover or Uh, that's a fan fiction? I imagine that's the the fan fiction Liam would read, yeah. The not to call back so far. But like what show do you think best wrote off a character that just either suddenly had a crazy transformation or had to leave the show, all the or they all of a sudden came into the show for example one of my favorite ones and i remember mike telling me this one and i was like yeah you're you're definitely right when parks and recs when chris pat pratt became star lord and all oh, they yeah. said in the show was that it's like oh my gosh how do you lose so much weight and he was like i just stopped drinking beer and that's all they yeah. talked about yeah. it <laughs> and they were like how much beer were you drinking? <laughs> He's like, it was, it was a, lot. a lot of beer. <laughs> like that's all they mentioned of it, and it was like the perfect. Like you don't do need to do any more writing after that. That's yeah, you mentioned it. Thank you. All right, we're moving on. Do you think you have like a a certain time where a show really wrote off a character well or explained this phenomenon that otherwise wouldn't have happened due to outside? I can give a popular another popular example which was in Iron Man 2 when Rhodey shows up and you know uh, it's yeah. a completely different actor versus the first movie and he's just like it's me I'm here deal with it yeah. and that wasn't oh, yeah, talking that was good. to Tony at that moment it was talking to the audience yeah, yeah. that's a good one so that's pretty good actually yeah yeah and the way Don Cheadle handled it was you know pretty just like hey I'm moving on so between yeah. the Matrix 1 the Matrix 2 the woman who played the Oracle, didn't she pass away? Two and three. Oh, yeah. In two and three. Okay. Yep. And so they just kind of used it as, well, uh, she looked different, right? And, well, you know, they're always changing things in the Matrix or something. I don't remember I, the I think in that words, example, but... she was being punished for helping yeah. Neo or something, which, you know, it was a it was a unique way of telling the story and doing a character. So thinking about that, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Trying to tie in a change into the plot instead of just ignoring it and hoping the audience forgets about it. So in The Mummy 3, which is the worst mummy. No, it's not the worst mummy because even though it has nothing to do with any of the mummy series, The Mummy with Tom Cruise, that was the worst mummy. It was awful. I hate it. Moving on. In The Mummy 3 with Brendan Fraser, they did not have Rachel Weiss return as his wife. And so in the very beginning of the movie... There is a woman dressed like Rachel Weiss, and they're in a bookstore and she's reading kind of a recap of what happened in the last two books. And and I think the book was called The Mummy or something. And somebody kind of raises their hand and um, they're like, that's amazing. Is is that actually you? Like, did, did these really things really happen? And the woman lowers, lowers the book. It's a totally different person. And she can say, oh, I can guarantee you that's an entirely different person. <laughs> and I thought that that was a very cute way that they kind of revealed, hey, it's a brand new actor. And also like, give like a yep no it is a brand new person it was told it's not me at all it's a totally different person it was a nod to rachel weiss's character but then it was like okay moving on i'm the new lady of the of the movie Hmm. moving on and i i actually really really enjoyed that i thought that that was a very cute way that they did that instead of skirting around it they just addressed yeah and just like and and i believe that was like the opening scene to the movie i haven't seen it in a very long time so i don't really remember but um, I think that was like the beginning scene, and that was 
<laughs> That's how they did that. And I thought that that was really nice. In the Ocean series, in Ocean's 13, they didn't bring back Julia Roberts as Tess. And I don't, I don't know why she wasn't there. But everyone kept asking, where's Tess? And everyone else would be like, it's not her fight. Oh, And then yeah. they'd ask, where's Izzy, Isabel, something, Catherine Zeta-Jones' character. It's not her fight. So that's how they explained why the two women weren't in there, because they didn't need to come and deal with this very personal situation happening to the group. It wasn't their fight. And they just, that was how they explained it. Oceans, that was Oceans 13, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In general, I, I do like when stories creatively transition characters like that Mm -hmm. rather than just like like i was saying with buffy earlier where it's like this is i mean it's different because they're adding a character in but where it was just like yeah she's always been here what are you talking about this is my sister i like when shows creatively do it i know that in the 100 and i was a big spoiler they they killed off one of my favorite characters lincoln um (laughs) and that was because he was being signed on to American Gods, and he he took that over the 100 because it was gonna make him more money, and so they instead of just like, oh yeah, he's done, like they they wound up killing his character off, and they actually like gave him a you know, a, his <laughs> moment. They gave him probably like the most powerful moment <laughs> the entire series. Emotional moment. I know. Oh, oh my, it was it sucked. I hated it, but oh, as far as like brutal. story writing goes, it was a good way to end his character. But it didn't just end there because they used that pivotal moment to drive the plot for several characters in seasons to come. Yes. Like, oh, absolutely. I think that's so a, it wasn't even a throwaway, like, oh, we're just killing them all. That's another thing that really bothers me about char- important characters that get killed off is that they just forget about them. And they're not mm-hmm. used as like, like these, that, that character was extremely important to so many people in the 100 and you see that in the later seasons and a lot of times shows like that are just like kill them off and you never mention it it doesn't affect any of the group Mm -hmm. and uh to me that doesn't feel like good story writing because i feel like it would affect the group but i don't know i think that's something i actually or one of the reasons why i like the walking dead most of the time when a major character dies is just not oh no we never talk about him again like the characters don't just grieve for that moment. Some of them grieve for years and it drives their character motivation in a natural way. Sometimes they completely forget and you're like, okay, what's happening? Why aren't you mentioning them? But most of the time they actually carry that forward, mm. which works pretty well. Uh, I thought of one. I don't know how I didn't think of this before. While I've never seen the show, Doctor Who. What, changing but- characters, you mean? Yeah, changing right? Like, when they change the actor, it, they've got, like, the best setup for changing the actor. True, but it's it's not like, I think a lot of times, kind of what we're talking about is not just them writing a character off the show for the sake of plot, but we're talking about, okay, people are done and they want to leave. It's like, hey, we need to change the story up, so we're going to bring in a new doctor. Like that's, But that's only one of the reasons sometimes the actors are moving on. And so they need a new actor. True. And they, I they guess have I... a way built into the plot of true. Yes, you're of right. cycling, which is kind of brilliant. Uh, oh, another yeah. franchise that also is able to just, without question, cycle actors and everyone 100% accepts it, James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter who the next James Bond is, that's James Bond. Yeah, well, there is going <laughs> so, to be like that couple year period where they're pissed off that his hair color is different. Yeah, and then they get over exactly. Themselves. There we go. That's what they. They're not upset. There's a different actor. They're, they're upset. upset about his hair color <laughs> being blonde. So true. Which is silly because he's had blonde hair before. So like, you know what I mean? He's had blonde. He's had brown. I mean, technically, if you think about James Bond, he's a spy, so he should have multiple disguises. Yeah. So it would make sense that his hair color is different. If he always looks the same, he's doing something yeah, all the villains are like, I've seen the movies. I know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
That would be the worst spy ever. It really would. <laughs> Put all your exploits in a movie for your villains to watch. It, Actually, it's a blog post that he writes. No, it's a it's a YouTube vlog that he does. He's like, so I just did, killed this bad guy. Uh, I was really intense. Um, don't forget to hit like and subscribe for my next villain. Oh, dear no, it's God. the uh, it's like... the body cam footage that the government requires oh, him to have no. on, combined with his you know personnel reviews with HR and his boss let's be honest if that camera footage ever got out he would totally be fired <laughs> oh. oh yeah uh, yep oh yep. i don't know i don't know if he would be look at all the stuff people get away with in the u.s yeah but let's just leave it and on that <laughs> note thank you for joining us today <laughs> we really appreciate you using your time to listen to all of this ridiculousness we would love to hear from you guys. What is your favorite Bond haircut? <laughs> what kind of dreams do you have? And what was your favorite character transition from a show or movie? Let us know. We'd love to hear it. So you can reach us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Reddit. We are 1L2N Productions. And if you like what we're doing here and you want to show your love and support, head on over, head on over to our Patreon. And the last word of the day goes to Mike take it away uh, I'm pretty sure that I didn't fart and it was just in my dream <laughs>